Hi, and thanks so much for joining us on the Pro-Grace Podcast, where we're having new conversations about abortion. I'm Angie Wesley. I lead an organization called Pro-Grace, and our hope with this podcast is that as we take the risk to have honest, non-political discussions about this important issue, that you will be inspired to do the same. So today I am in Midtown Manhattan, New York City, and Denise is here. Hi, everybody. Subway riding Denise. You had them going today at the um, training. They were laughing. What do you say about the subway? It's just all kinds of wrong. It shouldn't exist because nobody should be that far underground. Right. We're created for light. That's what it was. Yeah, no human, no human. No human should be that far underground. That far underground. So we have a Texan today. I want to get your take on this. Miss Amy Ford. Hey, y'all. The CEO, executive director of Embrace Grace. What do you think about the subway, Amy? Well, I'm very adventurous, so I kind of like it. But yeah. my husband is the one that's like, he's an insurance agent, so he measures risk. That's his job. <laughs> so he gets a little freaked out about it. But yes, I'm, yes. I'm good with it. But I always never know which direction to go. I'm so confused. Right. right. Yeah. So Amy is our dear friend who we've only interacted with a couple times, but already feel so connected to you. Love what Embrace Grace does, um, because we feel like you guys share this same posture of acceptance and grace. So tell us before we start, what you all do. What's Embrace Grace? Embrace Grace inspires and equips the church to love on single and pregnant young women and their families. So we give the church and equip the church with the tools to know um, to walk alongside these moms. So we have curriculum that that the girl, you just, as a leader, you just press play and the girls watch it together. They meet other girls going through the same thing that they are. It's about identity, value, worth, how much God loves them so, 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 so much. It's about loving them where they're at in a no stones atmosphere and just welcoming, welcoming them into a spiritual family. Um, and just really being someone that they need in a time and season of uncertainty in their life. Yeah. They need a spiritual family. So we have support groups in churches all over the nation. We're in almost 700 churches, 47 states Which and 10 countries. I love, I yeah. love wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and I just love um, your heart for... I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, but helping the church be the church. Would yeah. you agree with that? Of course. I yeah. always say that. Yeah. Oh, we help do. people help people. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really what it's all about. And as you know, we talked about today, we're doing a training that's not always the reputation of the church or Christians in this issue. And I, I believe we share that same passion to say, hey, listen, the church should be acting like Jesus did. Yes, yes. They should be the, a safe that. place. Like yeah. it would be in a perfect world. It would be, well, I guess this wouldn't be a perfect world or else they wouldn't be in the situation. But in a perfect world, as far as the church is concerned, that if a girl is in this situation, one of the first thoughts she has is maybe I can go to the church and mm -hmm. ask for help or mm -hmm. talk to someone right. and know that I'm not going to be told what a piece of crap I am or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's what they think. They yeah. think that the church is, that they're not good enough to go to church mm -hmm. when, and, and because we've done that, you know, we've become known more for what we're against than what we're for. Yeah. And they think it's, the focus is, behavior modification. And so they're like, I can't ever be perfect enough. Mm. So, or sometimes they'll hear, well, I just need to fix this one thing. Maybe it's drugs or whatever. And then maybe try me in two weeks, mm. you know, I'm going to mm. kick this habit or whatever. Right. And they think they have to be perfect to go. And we have to oh. change that, yeah. that everyone's welcome here because it's God's job yeah. to change our hearts. Yeah. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Right. That's what makes people want to stop doing what they do because yeah. they experience the love of God and they yeah. fall in love with him and it changes everything. Well, and none of us would be welcome yeah. right. if we 
had to get right. her act. A I church without the bro, a church without the broken is a broken church. Yeah. I always say that. Right. I, yeah. I would not be going to church Sunday if I couldn't bring me myself and all my issues. Yeah. Right. I've got my baggage yeah. with exactly. me today. Yet for some reason. In this space, as you say, women don't feel like the church is a safe place. And and uh, this is why we're talking and having yeah. these new conversations, because why is that? Why is it that the church, the church's doors aren't the first ones open? Right. Well, so Amy, I thank you for graciously agreeing. We did check with Amy beforehand if she would tell her story, because... Mm-hmm. It is such a beautiful story, and it does have components of everything we're talking about. So thank you for agreeing of to do course. that and just being so vulnerable. I, I, I think your story just brings a lot of healing. So what was your experience of the church? Okay. Yeah. Well, Take us back. To yes. All right. So I grew up in a Christian home, had an amazing Christian family. I went to church every Sunday, but I didn't have a relationship with God because mm-hmm. um, there is a difference. And Absolutely. so yeah. I ended up getting pregnant. And even though I grew up knowing abortion wasn't the right thing to do, fear makes you do crazy things. Yeah. The enemy lies to All you. And yeah. and so I, me and my baby dad were convinced that we were going to be homeless, that our parents mm. were going to hate us forever, that we were going to be the black sheep of the family, wow. that we were going to take our, I was the oldest of four kids. So I just thought they, like, I am such a bad example. I mean, all the shame, shame, shame stuff that comes with it. Was he from a Christian? Yes. He, he was a middle child, but he, he was in college and he's like, and his dad was kind of supporting him with tuition and things mm-hmm. like that. He's like, he's going to cut me off. Mm-hmm. Like wow. I'm going to have to drop out of school, mm-hmm. like all the worst case scenarios that you can imagine. And so we just decided, you know what, if we just get an abortion, yeah. then we'll just deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. And no one will ever wow. even know. We'll just make the appointment and we'll pretend like this never happened, which mm-hmm. we know that's not, that's not how it works. So you kind of go in robot, robot You're just like, I'm just going to go through with this and I'm just going to pretend like everything's fine. And you're just going through the motions and you're like, everything is going to be fine. Just going to keep taking Mm -hmm. a day at a time till you have the abortion appointment. So we went, we paid for it. We went to have it done. And when I went in, um, in my mind, I was like, oh, it's just a pill. You know, you know, you, you think these certain things. And they started telling me, well, you're a little bit farther along. So these are the methods that we do. And they started going through all of that. And I ended up, because I had suppressed all my emotion and, like, pretended like, like everything was fine, even though I was completely in crisis trauma mode, mm. um, I ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room. Wow. And when I came to, the nurses were fanning me, trying to give me a drink of water. And they said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. You can come back another day, but you're not getting an abortion, which I have tons of friends that have experienced the pain and the trauma of an abortion. And they're like, that is not normal. Like, I don't, I can't even, I can't even believe that a nurse would have said that, you know, in that situation, but that's what happened. So I went back out in the waiting room. My baby daddy was out there. He saw my face was like completely swollen from crying so hard. And I just looked at him and I said, we're still pregnant. Mm. And he's like, okay, well, Let's just figure this out. If we're going to be homeless, we'll figure it out together. We've been together for like three or four years. Mm. I loved him. We wanted to get married someday, just not in this way. And was he? He was supportive. He was you. supportive. Like he he was loved me. You. Yes, he was. Mm. And um, which that just makes me think of all these other girls who don't even have yeah. anyone that will even go with them to them, or mm. that will, and they're doing it completely alone. Like I at least had the support um, with from him, just which gives me even more empathy and compassion for all yeah. of these women that are experiencing such fear. And you know, fear will make you do crazy things. So, um, 
we went and told our family. Okay. It wasn't as horrible as what we had thought. Okay. You know, the enemy lies to you. They were yeah. definitely disappointed. They were upset, you know, yeah. all of that. Because they, like, didn't even know we were having sex. Because, you know, you don't talk about that. Right. And they didn't even tell me about sex. Like, really? you figure it out by your own. Yes. We're changing that now <laughs> with the next generation. Um, and so I, we went, um, we ended up getting married when I was 16 weeks pregnant. We decided, you know what, let's just, we already know we're going to get married. Let's just go ahead and get married. And as we were planning the wedding, um, we had asked, it wasn't our pastor. It was someone that had led Ryan to the Lord, who is a pastor at another church um, that's kind of further away, um, that if he would marry us. He had used to pick Ryan up and take him to um, youth and young life and all this. Like he was Ryan's mentor. Ryan loved this guy so much and looked up to him. And um, that, like, he helped him through the whole surrendering your life to Jesus and giving, I mean, he played a huge pivotal role in Ryan's life. So we asked him if he would marry us. And he said, no, because you've sinned, I can't bless this marriage. So I will not marry you. And we were just like, oh my gosh, like we are such horrible people. We have screwed up so bad that we can't even get married before God and be blessed, Mm -hmm. you know? Now you're smiling saying this now because I, I know this is I'm so positive. many years behind yeah. you. But really, what was that like, Amy? For oh, you and it Ryan? was like if anybody's ever read the Scarlet Letter, that mm. is how I felt on my yeah. wedding day. I half people knew, half the people didn't, oh. and I had the most amazing, beautiful wedding ever. But it was shrouded in shame, you know, oh. and just wondering, do they know? Am I so? You know, sixteen weeks, and I remember that next weekend is really when I really started showing and it was kind of just I look like I had gained a little bit of weight but the whole time I'm like do they know can they see and it just was it really just robbed you of joy of this amazing moment but I mean how that this man that Ryan looked up to you that he wouldn't marry you what was that like for you too it it just made us so confused of like how like we really must be Horrible, horrible people. Like, we're going to hell. We Mm. are, this is very, very serious Mm. what we have done. Mm. Um, And so we. Nothing about him. So neither one of you thought, hmm. Maybe that's a bad decision on his part. It was all about you guys. I think, guys. Ryan, it's hard. I have positivity as a straight. I'm, you could probably hear it in my voice. Like, I'm so bubbly I'm and happy. I'm for you. I'm, was, like, angry over here I for know. you. I was more of, like, we're terrible. It was more because we were so – I was 19. Yeah. I'm a right. kid. Like, yeah. I'm too, totally impressed. This guy he was, was a amazing, mentor a mentor. And, a and he's you. telling us this. It's like, yeah. we really are a piece you of crap. Like, well, you but that's what's it. interesting how shame works because yeah. you couldn't even see his issues in right. this. You guys went went straight to this is about us yeah we trusted him of like this is bad we have royally messed up and so we got married we found someone else that would marry us and um but one thing so we, we had a son Jess, who is totally amazing. He's actually now 20. Wow. And he's at Oral Roberts University, majoring in theology. He wow. has led so many kids to the Lord. He is on fire and passionate for God. He said that he was over an overcomer before he was ever even born and that Satan had a plan mm. to take him out. Wow. But he's going to use his story to change the world. And wow. he is like so on fire. He's getting married wow. next July. So he tells his story. Oh, he yeah. He's a speaker. Together, yeah. He has a speaker's agency he's mm. signed with. Like, he wow. literally is tearing up the world it is amazing to see and he's just is like i'm an overcomer before i was even born Mm -hmm. i'm here and i'm gonna i am gonna change the world with my story and i love that and um and so two years after we got married 
um, that pastor that wouldn't marry us, he called us out of the blue and he said, I am so sorry. He said, I think about what I did every single day. And he said, I feel like it was my worst mistake in pastoring history that I have ever made. And will you forgive me? He called my husband and Ryan, because he loves this guy. And because we're young, we're like, yes, we forgive you. We love you so much. And um, so as he put you guys under shame, he was also living under shame. Hmm. Yeah, he was struggling with his own yeah. for two whole like years the after that. Exactly. I mean, it is like yeah. that book. He was struggling too. Yeah. Yeah. He was beating he himself. He wasn't having freedom. Yeah. No. Wow. And so, so Ryan was able to forget. Oh, right yeah. Of, oh. He was like, oh, my gosh. And even to this day, they're still best friends. I mean, they talk. Wow. So he's a pastor in Austin, which we live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So it's, a, you know, four hours away or so. But they still talk at least once a week. He still mentors Ryan. So my son, Jess, again, he's 20. But when he was 16, so four years ago, this pastor asked me to come preach at his church. And. And he was very open with his congregation before we had ever even gotten there. He told him the story. He told him a story. He said, I had a religious heart. I had a Pharisee spirit. Like I, this is what I did years ago, but then this is embrace grace and look what's happened. And so he was super open with them all. And so then I get there and it was Mother's Day. And so I preached a pro-love message to the church in Austin. And so after I was done, he said, Amy, will you come back up here? And this is in front of everyone. And he said, I want your son Jess to come up here. And again, Jess is 16 at the time. And he said, Amy, years ago, I asked your husband for forgiveness, but I never really asked you, Mm. will you forgive me for what I did? And I was like, of course, that was 16 years ago. And now look at Embrace Grace. And yes, you know, we love you so much. Well, then he looks at my son, 16 in front of the whole church. Mm. And he said, Jess, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart? Before you were ever even born, oh I rejected my. you while you were in your mother's womb. Will you forgive me? Oh and my son, 16, in front of the whole church, stands up and says, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. And it was such a powerful moment oh. in that church. Like, you could feel church wounds being lifted yeah. in the room. Like, people were like, jaws open, like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. This is, I've never experienced this in church before. Yeah. And it was so amazing to see his vulnerability, his humble heart, his humility of how he would, even from 16 years before, say he was sorry to my son. And I think that even fueled Jess even more of like, I have a plan and I have a purpose because God has one for me and I'm going to do this and I'm going to not be a victim but I'm going to be an overcomer because that's who God says I am. And so it's been amazing to see. And they had Embrace Grace for a long time there. I think they're doing a leadership change with the members, but like it was, it's amazing to see the full, that God fully went what he did in the hearts and how he healed other people along the way. Talk about beauty from ashes. Totally. You know, what's interesting about your story that, that I want to circle back to is you and Ryan created a scenario for yourselves of what the reaction of your support system in church was going to be before you even said anything and came to a conclusion and made a decision based on that and went to have the abortion. And for other reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, miraculously Mm -hmm. you didn't because of what this nurse, how she intervened, but you would have based on the story that you told each other, Talk about that a little bit, because that's pretty powerful. And were there messages, or why did you have such a strong story, both of you coming from Christian homes, that said, we will be rejected, Mm -hmm. we will lose support, our only option is to have an abortion? 
I think what's crazy for me specifically, and I hear this with a lot of other young women, especially if you grew up in a Christian home, telling parents that was it. Like, I was like, I cannot I tell this. my parents. And because why? I just thought that they were going to hate me forever. Mm. Like, that this was this was the, the sin that you can't, like, just pretend like it's not happening. Like, it's happening, even though a baby's not a sin, but it's the result of sin, even though God redeems and restores. And of course, our, our even Jess's name means gift from God. Um, he was a gift. I always say I raised a kid, but he raised us and he is amazing. But even other mistakes, yeah. and I, I, I use mistakes sometimes for our audiences listening right. to who aren't Christians because sin can trigger things, but you'd made mistakes before and taken mm-hmm. them to your parents. Why not this one? Well, I don't know. I guess it was just that this is something that you can't, pretend that it's not happening and even really with my mistakes that I've had that with my parents like I don't think that I actually did go to them and say hey I made a mistake I was <laughs> oh, caught true. you know maybe or whatever and <laughs> got big trouble that's right we yeah catch them. I was okay. that maybe so there was to, yeah oh yeah and even going to church after that, um, you know, after we got married, we tried church, but it's like the elephant in the room. People mm. don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. Wow. So they don't say anything. And so you feel alone in a crowd of people and it's super awkward. And I'm a social person. Like I have a lot really? of friends. No. Yeah. You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. And I have a lot of friends. And so it's all of a yeah. sudden they're not calling you anymore. Uh, even though you were married. Even though I was married. Yeah, yeah. But I know looking calling. back, it wasn't that they didn't like me. Yeah. They honestly were just like, wow. I don't know so they what to say. The yes, it's easier just to yeah. avoid yeah. because it's awkward and you don't know what to wow. say, wow. which is what we are always like. Guys, we have life and death in the power of our tongue. Like we mm-hmm. can have the power. Like we don't have to say I'm sorry to people that have an unplanned pregnancy because... A baby is a gift Mm -hmm. from God. No matter how it gets here, a baby is a gift. We can say, congratulations, I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. We can walk through this together because we do have power Mm -hmm. in our voices and how we help empower women in this situation of like, actually, you can do this. Mm -hmm. You're going to be okay. I'll go with you to tell your mom. Like, it's going to be fine. What about if, did anyone ever ask you, like, you say, I'm pregnant? Whoa. What do you need from me? Like even that, if we don't know to say congrats, like, cause we don't know how the woman's feeling. Can yeah. we at least just say, what do you need? Yeah. And yeah. was there no, any no frame one of did. reference for and that? And even no. my sister, she's 18 months younger and she's like, I'm the positive. Everything's going to be okay. Even though in this situation, it didn't really apply, but my sister is more the realist and all of that. But she literally had to push me physically into my parents' bedroom mm to tell them oh. because I had told her first and she's like, we got to tell mom and dad, we got to, I was like, I can't. Oh. And I think it was just the shame, you know? Mm. And, um, I knew I'd let down, I would let them down, you know, and, and just fresh out of like a Christian high school and all of that. So yeah. it, it was definitely a season of loneliness and feeling alone. And, but really all of that has empowered me and all the people I'm around of like, the church, and when I say the church, it doesn't necessarily have to be a building or an entity of a body mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. It's the people. We are the church everywhere right. we go. We right. represent Jesus everywhere we go. So as the church, how we can make a difference yeah. into someone's life. If we can make the church one of the first places a girl runs to instead of the last yeah. because of shame and guilt. If we can say, I'm in this with you. I'm going to mm-hmm. walk in the trench- trenches with you. 
we're going to hold hands, we're going to do this. Mm. That makes all the yeah. difference in yeah. the world when they know that they don't have to walk through right. yeah. the season completely alone. Yeah. So can you talk about how did you guys forgive this pastor friend? Because that's part of what amazes me of your story. Like I say, I'm here getting riled up, getting mad for you. I lead pro grace and I still struggle mm. with when the church does those kinds of things. What was that process for you guys? You know, were you able to take that? I, I'm sure you'd gotten healed earlier of we're so horrible, you yeah. know, like everything. But I mean, it, what he did caused a lot of damage for you. It caused mm -hmm. you to think those things about yourself. So how did you both forgive him and enter into relationship with him again? You know, I'm, I am just, I don't really know how to articulate this except for I just, I can see the humanness in people and there's mm -hmm. something about his heart, even in the midst of when he's projecting pain and all of that on us, that he was so sincere in his apology. Mm -hmm. Like he humbled himself in a way it's like, you can't, he's not pretending he's not checking something off a box. He's not like, I feel like I have to do this. So I'm going to be obedient to God and I'm going to do this. It was a sincere, mm -hmm humility of like, I messed up and I literally think about it every single day of my life. Like, uh, we, what can we say to that? Like, we have to forgive, you know, we all mess up. We all have things that we do that we have regrets about. Yeah. And so I don't know. And maybe God changed my heart in a way so that embrace grace is born. Mm. And I, cause I really do. And I'm sure you guys too, especially doing all your workshops and mm. stuff, people come up to you afterwards that are like, this is what happened to me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and it, you yeah. hear like horror stories. Yeah. And even in that, it's like, okay, well that wasn't as bad as some of the other ones. But what I feel bad about is the people that think like they took that, what one person did and think that's a reflection of the whole church yeah. and that reflection of God. Of God. Even yes. Yeah. That is the yeah. thing that's like, okay, that's really hard. It's the yeah. ones that don't ask for forgiveness. That's yeah. the ones that are harder to forgive. So true. as you, you know, go back and kind of relive your story and the work that you're doing now, with Embrace Grace, which is connecting women uh, to churches through these groups, what what would you want to say to the church um, from what you experienced and then even now what, what you see is, as you're trying to, again, bring women to the church? What words of wisdom from your own journey do you have um, to kind of say, hey, this as, as these are new conversations. We're trying to have a um, kind of a fresh look at this. Yeah, I I feel like that just being open. I'm not saying that anyone any pastor has to do a whole sermon on abortion. Like nobody wants to go to that church. Okay, that's <laughs> going to be a little depressing. But even just saying, if you find yourself in a situation like this, please know that we are a safe place to come talk mm. to. We are open. We are here. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, yeah. with like this is no stones. We want to be here as a resource to you to talk mm. through some hard things that you're going through, and and being making sure that everyone knows that, and even in the community. The second thing is knowing that you know we hear some pastors, oh, we don't we don't have pregnancy people in our church mm. and we're like yes you do yeah. and if you don't know about it then or say it's like a, a older church where it's 80 year olds and they don't they and it's tiny and they really don't have like that demographic well it's outreach go find them they're everywhere out in your community go love them and tell them you are welcome 
in our church. Come, we are for you. We are with you. We're in this together. And the third thing is abortion healing, I feel like is the key to revival in our churches. Mm. If one in four or one in five women have experienced an abortion and abortion rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside, that means 25 to 30% of the people in our churches have experienced an abortion and no one's talking about it. Mm. And I remember one time I, I spoke at something and this one lady came up to me afterwards and she was literally pulled her face all the way up to my ear super super close and she's like thank you so much for talking about what you did today she's like I've had an abortion but God's healed me and I said why are you whispering Mm. and she's like I said go serve at this pregnancy center I was speaking in a pregnancy center. go serve there like go and be the change like tell your story revelation 12 11 we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testament go share your story and she looked at me like shocked eyes and I remember one time I spoke at a huge conference where it's 10,000 women in an arena and I was talking about you know women that choose life are brave and you can do this blah 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 it's our tagline is help her be brave but God when I was done with the interview God prompted my heart just just right before I was done God said say something to the women of experience don't Wow. And I said, okay, you know, Debbie was like, Pastor Debbie said, thank you so much. We're so glad you're here. And I was like, wait, I have one more thing. There's 10,000 women in this arena. And that means a lot of you have experienced an abortion. And God wants to know, wants you to know that he will heal your heart. He loves you, wants to heal your heart this weekend at this conference. And we, you just go tell your story. God wants to continue to heal you. You are not disqualified from doing the work of God because of what you've been through. Mm -hmm. You are qualified and he qualifies you. That was it. Done. I would, three sentences. It wasn't a sermon on abortion. Like literally Mm -hmm. that was it. He wants to heal you and he will use you. Mm After that was over, at the, during, in between the next session, we went back to our booths. We had two booths because it was such a big arena. We were inundated wow. with women crying, but not tears of like pain, but more of like, thank freedom. you for validating yeah. and acknowledging mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. freedom. Mm-hmm. Yes. Of like, okay, so you're saying, but I remember one specifically, there was, there were three sisters and they all had matching t-shirts. It was like their fun, you know, women's conference weekend. <laughs> and the one in the middle was bawling she Mm. could not even talk and her sisters were holding her up and took her to took her to our booth and they're like she's having a hard time talking but she wanted to come here because what you said really touched her and I looked at her and she just had tears and she looked at me and she said do you mean to tell me that God can use me oh my gosh it was like mind-blowing to her it had never even crossed her mind that she actually could be used by God because of what she went through and because what she chose years ago. And all we have to do is say something. Like, we see you and right. we know the pain of what you've been through. Let's get you connected to abortion healing groups. I feel like churches, every church, needs to have an abortion healing group. Mm-hmm. And how many do, Amy? Oh, I don't know. I wish that we ha- I know my church does. Yeah. But I wish that every church does. And a lot of pregnancy centers do as well. So, I mean, there are some sources out there. But... God wants to heal our hearts Mm -hmm. and free people, free people. So if you can experience freedom in Christ and let him heal you, you can go help set other people free and we can create a revival. Cause all the, if you think about the statistic and all these women and men are in our churches and they're not talking about it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Or they, they in their head think that they're disqualified from even doing anything because they did the impartable, you know, what they feel like is the thing that's like disqualifies them. If we can help set them free. Yeah. It will change every, the whole dynamic of our church will change. Well, and so I'm hearing you because I want to make sure I'm hearing you right. I think I'm hearing you right. Because at first when you were talking, I was like, that's a lot to ask women 
to start coming up and telling their church they've had an abortion. I really think it's on the church first, and I think I'm hearing you say this. They have to start the conversation. Right. Because they don't even know it's a safe place until at least the invitation is there. So the church has to start that conversation. So that's what you did, and that's Mm -hmm. what you're saying to pastors and to churches. You just said three sentences starting the conversation, and um, the fact that they're not hearing that anywhere – you know, and the fact that you didn't hear that before you got pregnant, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no one Which caused you, back to Denise's question, have all these mm-hmm. ideas and, and, mm-hmm. and the shame. I, I think calling the church to say, do we realize what our silence and even our wrong mm-hmm. way of speaking, the damage that it's doing? Mm-hmm. And I love that your pastor asked your husband and then you and then your son. He mm-hmm. understood that the damage it done, affects all of us. it affects all of us when we do that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something that the church needs to say, hey, we were part of this, so we have to, as scary it is, as it is, open up and start this conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And do you find that when there are Embrace Grace groups in a church, does the conversation open up more? Mm-hmm. Is that, and is, and what, What's the reason for that? How is that happening? Well, one thing that we've realized is that a lot of our leaders, and our leaders are not pastors. Our leaders are just people in the church. And, but a lot of our leaders have experienced an abortion in their past. Not all, but a lot of them have. And they want to be the person that they wish they had had years right. ago in their life that they didn't have. Right. They didn't have someone saying you can do it. And so now they have regret and pain and God heals, but just like the scripture I had said before, like he does continue to heal as we tell our story and leading an embrace grace group. It allows you to keep telling your story. It's like, guys, this is what I went through. And that's, what's cool about embrace grace is like, we hear so many girls say, Oh, you know, we'll invite them to go to church and they're pregnant and single. And they're like, wait, you want me to go to church? Like, yeah, right. I'm not going there. And if we can finally talk them into it and we give them a baby shower, that's kind of one of the ways, you know, they, they get all kinds of free stuff and they'll maybe just come for the free stuff. But we're very strategic in the first class of how it's leaders share their story. We don't even ask them very much about themselves yet. Every single leader goes around and said, this is what I've been through. This is what I've done. But then this is what God's done in my life. And the girls, it's so cool because they're like, okay, that's way worse than my story. (laughs) And she's in church. And she's She's in church. church And if God did that for her, Mm -hmm. then maybe God can do that for me too. And if she can share that, then maybe I can share my story too. And so all of a sudden their walls start coming down, but it starts with us. Like we have Mm -hmm. to be the ones to be authentic, Mm -hmm. vulnerable, just like we were talking earlier about the Brene Brown, you know, like Shame isolates, but what we bring into the Mm -hmm. open, what we can put into the light is what God can heal. And so them sharing their story, God can start healing their Mm -hmm. heart, but it it takes us being vulnerable first. And and it's so funny because we're so scared to share our own story, but then it's that that opens up and welcomes other people in. Yeah, Yeah. it creates a Me Too movement, like (laughs) with this subject. Right, right, absolutely. Well, Amy, I just, every time I hear you share that story, I am really just um, floored at how you were treated. Mm. And so I'm sorry, as someone Mm. who was in a church, that you would be treated like that by a Christian leader. And I just really think that you and Ryan, so many people would have walked away, Mm -hmm. but you guys didn't. Mm -hmm. You chose to stay. You chose to forgive your friends now. and, And now you're bringing this to other people. And so I think that, for me, is a model of... When we're hurt, especially in this culture, call-out culture, when we're hurt, 
you guys must have had a lot of strength and resilience or just understanding. I mean, I know you said you were thinking we're terrible people, but you must have known your value and your worth Mm -hmm. in God's eyes to be able to move forward like that. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it, it sets an example. I mean, I think of all the ways I get mad at the church. It's, it's convicting to me to forgive. And I just want to applaud you guys for being so open with your story because I see that what you're doing is bringing healing really first to the church. Mm-hmm. Really? Isn't that what you're doing? You're yeah. really bringing healing to the same church that hurt you. You're bringing healing and empowering that church to be able to help others. So yeah, yeah. thanks Thank for you. what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any last words of advice on how you became this type of person that could do that? <laughs> and not snarky like me? Well, we've all got our stuff. Yeah. So, you know, we, like I said before, a church without the broken is a broken church. We're all broken. And if we can separate that God is not the people that are yeah. in the church. You know, it just helps yeah. to know that we all mess up and yeah. But God is not the people that are in the church. Yeah. 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 Otherwise we'd all be in trouble because I have my issues. Denise <laughs> can too. talk about it, but you know, we, I see the music starting, <laughs> we which means Let's Denise up. can't talk go. about Bye. my issues. <laughs> right. And I have no issues of my own. Of so course. I can only talk about yours. No, nice. of course. So Amy, thank you for your thank work with you. Embrace Grace. Thanks for being honest about your story. I actually hope that everyone who joined us is inspired. I, I'm wrestling with this, thinking about how we share our story and how we receive others when we share that story. So hope this motivates you to have new conversations. Until next time, thanks.